What's going on, everyone? I hope you all are well, staying safe, staying healthy, living as well as you can, you know, amidst the shit show that is uh, 2022. But uh, I hope, you know, folks are able to maintain some kind of um, sanity and uh, some kind of uh, mental capacity throughout all of this. Um, But if you're struggling, shit, I'm right there with you and I completely understand. Um, It's not been easy these last few years. It's not really ever been easy for many people. Um, But in these last few years with the pandemic and everything, I know that a lot of us are hurting. A lot of us are, you know, sad, alone, depressed, anxious, uh, dealing with a lot of shit. But for myself, at least, whatever encouragement this can be worth, I've found that being able to get with people, being able to share similar uh, notions and hopes for the future, uh, believing in similar causes, as well as like working together to develop those causes, to, to push forward those movements, has genuinely impacted my life in a way that I don't think, you know, anything else that I've done in my life to try to help with these things has. Um, not smoking weed, not, you know, sitting and reading books and getting smart, not, you know, just hanging out with some of my friends, even though that is great, not just, you know, having a decent uh, day-to-day life that isn't too oppressive or exploitative, at least. Um, But, you know, a lot of this is also predicated on, like, just genuinely being okay with, like, shit just consistently going wrong, being wrong, um, being exploited, even though maybe not uh, in such an explicit and physical way as, you know, miners and and folks uh, working in the factories and uh, folks within sex trade and, uh, you know, those being exploited for their bodies and trafficked. Um, Obviously, my job does not uh, deserve the same level (laughs) of uh, whatever, you know, it's not good to, to compare and contrast here levels of exploitation, but my point that I'm trying to make is, even in the cases where most of us aren't necessarily so, you know, shackled and, and exploited by our day-to-day, we still are very much exploited. We still very much have a majority of our day-to-day taken from us. We have a majority of our, you know, opportunities and ability as individuals to uh, do as we please, to uh, live life the way that we need to. Um, We also do not have political power, meaning that if and when things are not going the way that we want them to, Uh, We, the people here on Turtle Island, do not often have any kind of say or any kind of control to revoke these people that we do not want in office um, from these positions of power. We instead have a quote-unquote democratic system set up that allows for these, you know, mass murderers and warmongers and oil executives to go across the world and simply, um, you know, just do 
whatever they want and um, they get away with it and get it to stay in office for another three to four years uh, oftentimes before they are ever removed which means that they usually continue doing the things that they've been doing uh, and continue to get away with it Sorry, I'm sending a text message right now. But, yeah, anyways, I think that one thing looking forward that um, a lot of us need to be doing for ourselves, I think, is joining organizations, parties, getting involved in your community, Because as the Red Deal Indigenous Action to Save Our Earth by Red Media points out, attacking individual or individualized traumas as individuals oftentimes leaves us stranded, isolated, and alone, and usually incapable plainly just because of the reality of the overwhelming nature of many of our problems makes it almost impossible for those of us who really do want to, you know, take a look at the things that we're dealing with and really want to take a practical approach to, you know, things like mental health. Um, It's not always possible because you're working also within a system that is daily traumatizing us. uh, And many of us are not acknowledging that, especially during the pandemic. But anyways, what I'm meaning to say is throughout all of this, I have found loving relationships. I have found great camaraderie with great and amazing people. I have been involved now for six months in a tenant union with people who are 60, 70, 80 years old, inspiring me to to fight. I've been involved with this community fridge for some time and being able to talk with the people that come through to grab food. It has me frustrated. It has me angry and it has me wanting to work harder than I've ever worked before on anything. Working towards a socialist system, working towards a communalistic egalitarian society, and also working towards building a base, building relationships with people that have genuinely brought me back to life. Genuinely. Um, I can't express it enough. So the only way that I think any of us are going to understand is if you go out and do that yourselves. And there's a lot of reasons why we want to organize, not just simply because we have all these, you know, shit realities and relationships that we'd like to be able to have, uh, you know, uh, friends and family and comrades to work through it with. But at the same time, we also have to organize because there is a ruling class Uh, here within Turtle Island that is actively using its power and its wealth and its military to dominate, dictate, and control the lives of millions here on Turtle Island, but also across the world, in Europe, in the Global South, in Africa, Asia, Latin America, and the Caribbean especially. We are seeing this, have seen this for some time. And so when we look at the ongoing situation across the world, we must understand that it cannot be, you know, stopped without also a militant mass movement and mass organization of 
mass movement here on Turtle Island, here within what we might call the belly of the beast. Uh, Real quick, I want to talk about the Ukraine situation just to give a little clarification of the developments as I understand them. So this is as of yesterday per People's Dispatch, uh, which would have been February 21st. Today is February 23rd, so it's actually two days ago. But this morning also, um, who was it? I read another news article that... uh, analyze the reason as to why the uh, Don, Don, Donesk and the uh, Hengst. I excuse the fact that I literally don't know how to pronounce the names of these regions. The two autonomous regions that the Russian Federation has declared a part of Russia have confused a lot of people including myself, I had no fucking idea about anything in the Ukraine until about a month ago. So again, work with me here. But what it seems is that these regions, plus two more that were not successful in similar attempts, they have a clearly defined Russian culture, language, religion, uh, cult, uh, ethnic and national background. And because of this, since 2014, when, um, oh, let me grab my, my notes, because I took notes today. Be proud of me, guys. So, <clears throat> in 2014 in the Ukraine, when, uh, Viktor Yanukovych, uh, was overthrown by, uh, far-right nationalists, Russophobes and neo-Nazis while being backed by the EU and the uh, United States, a lot has happened because of this to these regions that has led to an increasing necessity for Russia to step in and to provide cover and protection for these people who find themselves to be more Russian then Ukrainian. Now, since 2014, uh, there has been, you know, eight plus years of civil war, of uh, economic sanctions, of uh, roving, violent neo-Nazi gangs, uh, and all kinds of other back and forth. But let's talk about this a little bit broader so we can maybe get rid of some of the Russophobian uh, ideals that some of us might have thinking that, well, you know, it's Putin and Putin's anti-communist and Putin is a uh, friend of the oligarchs. And so we, we should we should definitely invade Russia. Yeah, really? OK, let's let's break that down a little bit. First of all, uh, the homie bad empanada uh, needs to hit me up because he is very smart. And he did a video, which my uh, friend Andres had me check out, um, which was about the way in which the United States has caused this conflict at every single level. If you look in the 1980s, early 1990s, the United States and the United Nations, as well as the European Union and NATO, 
were the very reason, the overthrow that led to the fall of the Soviet Union. This was an overthrow by capitalist invasion, by imperialist invasion. Since this point, we have seen throughout the region in Eastern Europe and in Russia, in places like Poland, Germany, Romania, Norway, Sweden, Switzerland, and plenty of other places like Hungary, right? The Ukraine has had increasing amounts of far-right nationalism, uh, neo-Nazism, and uh, anti you know, Russian sentiments, which have led to not just simply, you know, uh, legislative changes or a, you know, broad sense of betterment of the Ukrainian people over the Russian people. It has led to physical acts of violence time and time again committed by the militaries, the gangs that back up the uh, Ukrainian supremacist uh, movement and the neo-Nazi movement, um, as well as also looking at the way in which the United States has actively armed, trained, supplied, and funded a lot of these neo-Nazi groups, a lot of these um, reactionary forces that have killed people. Between 2014 and 2015, 14,000 people were killed between uh, the Ukraine and Russia, and over 2.5 million immigrants were forced into Russia to find shelter and safety. Now, what kind of a country like Russia would they be if they were to deny immigrants at the border to say, no, we don't want you. We don't want you in here. We don't want you taking our money. We don't want to help you out. That would be very similar to what Poland, Germany, um, uh, and the United States, as well as Canada and other Western societies like Britain are doing right now. But Russia, this supposed big, big bad guy, let 2.5 million immigrants in from a civil war that the Ukraine created and has been providing for those people since then. But according to a United Nations ambassador, the Ukrainian government has done absolutely nothing to abide by the Minsk agreements that were signed in 2015 in a pact between the uh, uh, French, German, Russian and Ukrainian governments with the help of the OSCE, who I can't remember what the fuck that stands for. But since then, there was, I think it was 13 or 15 points of uh, agreement and of um, step-by-step action that needed to be accomplished for these Minsk agreements to be, um, you know, seen as being upheld. So, since then, again, the Ukrainian government has sent uh, the military, the neo-Nazi groups in to attack these groups of Russian people. The Ukrainian people, although not all of them, have been subjected to mass propaganda and um, uh, mass nationalism since, you know, the 20s, the 1920s, they've been dealing with uh, all kinds of... um, far-right ideology and nationalism being pushed on them. Countries like the Ukraine, Poland, Czechoslovakia, Romania, Lithuania, and plenty of other places still to this day have homage that they pay to former Luftwaffen and SS uh, 
officers. If you go across the eastern region in the Ukraine where a lot of these Russian people are living, where a lot of Roma and Jewish folks are living, you still see statues to SS soldiers and generals all over the place. So keep that in mind when we're talking about wanting to defend and stand with the Ukrainian government. We can stand with the Ukrainian people while also standing with the Russian people and not supporting the reactionary governments and needing to come up with this imperialistic notion that we need to go to war after 20 plus years of war in Afghanistan that led to over three to four million deaths of Afghan people and at least 200,000 Americans as well. Why do we need another war? We don't. If you look at the situation that was created for Russia, Russia has two options really. That is, do what little they can in the opportunities that they can to try to be able to help and provide for people in whatever way they can without getting nuclear warheads fired at them. And so that was one of the ways in which they were able to assist these Russian peoples in these regions is because since 2014, in effect, Russia has been protecting these people because the Ukrainian government has not And so Russia has had a presence there that has been supporting and keeping the peace between these different groups, which I know Russian peacekeepers, a lot of people, the bells ring in their ears, whatever, do your own research. You had the fucking uh, uh, ambassador to the United Nations for the United States coming out and saying, oh, we know what Russian peacekeepers do. Oh, really? That's why we have U.S. peacekeepers all across the world and uh, U.N. peacekeepers, right? You fucking imperialist hypocrites. Um, And that's the point, is you have to recognize the hypocrisy here. We want to center the hypocrisy of U.S. imperialism, and we also want to center the white supremacist, uh, neo-Nazi, American exceptionalist ideals of uh, far-right nationalism that are being pushed. And we also want to center the death toll, the absolute atrocious and god-awful reality that would face millions of Russian, Ukrainian, European, and American people who would be thrown into yet another global conflict unnecessarily for the benefit of and the wealth accumulation for the oil companies, military contracting firms, extraction corporations, and ruling class governments. So Russia has two positions. What Russia can do is it can allow itself to be further cowtailed and cornered. Uh, China also is suffering a very similar situation as well as places like Cuba and Nicaragua and Venezuela, Vietnam, Iran, all nations who are trying in many different ways, in many different forms to fight for self-determination and a break away from the European Union, the United Nations, and the other forms of imperialist domination. Because of this, Russia can't really do too much without being seen as aggressive. We know now that the Russian people have been declared a part of the Russian Federation in the regions of, you know, Donbass and Dunskin and Lukes, or however you say it. Um, and yet, afterwards, Joe Biden and the uh, ambassadors to the United Nations come on TV and they say, see, this is exactly what we said Russia was going to do. They're invading Ukraine. 
Well, first of all, this is not technically a part of the Ukraine. Second of all, the invasion that you're speaking of is a response to ongoing breaks of ceasefire by the Ukrainian government and the Ukrainian neo-Nazi gangs that are going around and fucking killing people right now. Would you rather that the Russian people, that people in general, are allowed to be killed with extrajudicial uh, you know, rights with absolutely no consequences, as we are seeing here on Turtle Island, indigenous people, black folks, Latinos, Chicanos, Asians, and plenty of other folks who are being killed simply because white supremacists in this nation want to kill them and are getting away with it. Would you prefer the same thing be happening in these regions to these people who you and many of us, including myself, really don't know nothing about but ought to you know, really learn about? Or would you rather that, even though it's maybe not our favorite idea, that Russia go in there with guns so that these people can't just get killed willy-nilly? I personally believe that the people in these regions deserve to be protected from the reactionary and repressive Ukrainian government and Ukrainian neo-Nazi forces. But I also believe that at the end of the day, it is up to the Ukrainian people, it is up to the Russian people to determine the way in which this process will move forward. If the Ukrainian and Russian people can come together and find a solution that does not involve civil war, that does not involve death and conflict, that would be our preferred way out. But that does not mean that a bunch of us such as myself need to be coming on here and saying, listen, if Russia and Ukraine don't figure it out, we're going to war. Why? Who does that benefit? Why are you being told right now that we want to go to war? Who is telling you that we want to go to war? Think about it. New York Times, owned by Jeff Bezos. Think about it. Chicago Tribune, uh, LA Times, other newspapers of the like. The Department of Defense, who, you know, according to independent journalism, uh, is looking to bolster, again its military budget in 2023 to above $770 billion. Well, to get there, you need a conflict. Joe Biden's at lower than a 30% approval rating. Kamala Harris is at lower than a 40% approval rating. Gee, I really wonder who these things would benefit. So now that we got that out of the way, I want to talk about also the, the fact that We have an internationalist assignment. We as, you know, oppressed and exploited people to not fall for the propaganda and the um, dictatorship of the wealthy and powerful ruling class governments. We must find ways to connect with one another to deepen our understanding of the situations going on globally, to do our research in a way that allows for us to see the reality that the people 
are facing. Not that the governments want you to see, not that the newspapers want you to see, not that the media corporations want you to see. What the people are seeing and enduring every day must be the point of which we are able to instruct ourselves and be able to learn how it is that we can assist folks, how it is that we can give our solidarity and our support internationally. There is plenty of work to be done in places all across the world, but we also especially need a movement here in the United States on Turtle Island because indigenous people need not hear that term, the United States, anymore, nor live under its oppressive settler colonial regime. We need to overthrow the existing ruling class governments of the globe because these capitalists and imperialists are the reason why people today starve to death, why the reason today people die from wars. They're the reason why today over 1 billion people worldwide are considered, uh, you know, uh, to be without a home, meaning not necessarily that they are houseless, but that they are also oftentimes roving uh, groups of refugees and immigrants and Uh, People who have lost their homes to civil war, to global uh, climate crisis, to uh, religious persecution, to imperialism, to capitalist destruction. And we know that today the system of capitalism, imperialism will not rid itself from this world of its own accord. It is impossible and illogical for a system that is predicated on further militarization, imperialization, wealth accumulation, and dictatorship would fall in a period in time where it is really fighting and vying for more of that power, more of that control, more of that wealth. It is clear then that what needs to be done is organizations and uh, councils, groups, committees, communities need to be built so as to stand as a force, a power, which can withhold itself against the reactionary and repressive attacks of the ruling class government and its roving gangs and white supremacist forces. When we are looking at what it is that we could be doing, I think a lot of us get it confused and a lot of us get it romanticized. And I want to break it down real easy, some things that we can be doing. So first and foremost, talk to your neighbors, talk to your coworkers, talk to your family members. Try to figure out where the people in your life are at. And, you know, don't do it alone. Um, Join organizations. Join the PSL. Join, you know, even though I don't necessarily uh, agree with everything they do, it's a mass organization. You can learn in it and you can, uh, you know, possibly uh, leave it if you ever end up deciding that you don't want to be in that organization. Um, Same with other groups like the DSA. Like the DSA, we all, (laughs) I can definitely clearly understand why anyone has critiques of the DSA. 
I'm in a coalition. Uh, my tenant union is in part, uh, you know, led by members of the DSA. And personally, you know, I, I haven't had too many problems with them. But one thing I'll say for sure is, you know, they're in the DSA. Like, I didn't need to be told what members were in the DSA when I go to meetings. I kind of figured it out quite easily. But anyways, you know, join internationalist organizations like the Black Alliance for Peace Solidarity Network or uh, the Friends of the ATC, uh, you know, Solidarity Network outside in uh, Nicaragua. Join alongside with Code Pink or Friends of Socialist China. Join the Troika Collective with my homies Danny Shaw and Comrade Libre. Um, That's kind of where I'm intending to go. I'm trying to get linked up with internationalist groups. Because again, as much as I like some of the stuff that the PSL and the DSA have done, their internationalist scope and sphere is not always the best. And that's not an attack on anyone individually. That's the, the groups in general. But I think that internationalist organizations have a better chance at avoiding those. You know what I'm saying? And knowing that, understanding that, and, you know, really diving into these parties' programs and analyzing the constitutions and the ideas that they put forward, you know, really diving deep into them. Because you have, you have, like, the Gravel Institute that just posted that bullshit about Putin being an imperialist, and then you got, uh... Good morning, bad news, which if anyone watches TikTok, like that's a very, very prominent source of information. Every time I check those videos out, they have like a few hundred thousand likes. And these motherfuckers are talking about Putin's invading the Ukraine. Uh, It's ridiculous what money and uh, propaganda will get you, right? And that's that's a call out to both of those groups. I mean, fuck you guys for your bullshit ass imperialist takes. Like, Grow the fuck up and read a book. Don't just listen to the goddamn fucking mass media and, you know, the the ruling class governments that have put us in this place in Iran, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in Syria, in North Africa, in Vietnam, in Korea, in plenty of different wars and conflicts globally. In moving forward, we should understand, you know, of course, that there is much to be learned. There is much uh, to be understood. It is not as if you just need to listen to these sources of media. But anyways, when it comes to organizing, one of the most important things that we need to do is we need to look at the needs of the people, not what the, you know, mass education, mass information tells us is uh, going to save Uh, the people. It's not, you know, fucking carbon capture technology. It's not, you know, joining the military. It's not a college degree. It's not, um, you know, work in three jobs so that you can make ends meet. So why is it going to be war with Russia? Why is it going to be an encirclement of China? Why is it going to be building a taller border wall? Why is it going to be any of these things that we're being told by the same fucking ruling class, you know, as always, is going to save us. Why is it that all of a sudden we just, we decide, oh, we're not going to believe them here, but we'll believe them there. It's like when folks want to try to tell me, like, 
oh yeah, 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 I don't, I don't listen to any of the bullshit CIA propaganda that comes out, da 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 da. But you know, I'm very anti-China because you know of the Uyghur genocide. It's like, how do you, how do you go? Yeah, I'm not going to believe the CIA propaganda, and then believe CIA propaganda. Like it's come out in time that this Uyghur genocide has been cultivated by outside forces so as to make it seem as if China is doing something against these people and committing human rights abuses. It's clearly shown in declassified CIA documents as well as different, uh, you know, uh, investigative journalistic reports such as Li Jingjiang, who you can find on YouTube, is very clear that that is not the case, that is not what's going on in these regions, and yet, you know, I get a little heart palpitation saying that because I know somebody on this show is going to take offense by that and stop listening, which is stupid because not for nothing, you know, if you wanna, you know, hear that and just get pissed off, there's nothing I can do for you, and there's nothing you can do for anybody, because no investigation, no right to speak, plain and simple, um, but if we look at the needs of the people, right, rather than being swept up in the media and the propaganda of the imperialists, we can see quite clearly that a lot of the needs of the people in Russia are the same as the needs of the people in the Ukraine, which are the same as the needs of the people in Chile and is same as the needs of the people here in the United States. They might look a little different and they might have their specifics, but at the end of the day, we all are struggling to have nutritional diets and well-fed meals every single day. A majority of us are struggling to make a living income. A majority of us are struggling with stable housing, with education, with health care. And so if we see that to be the case, then we must understand that globally, there is a necessity for mass mobilization and mass organization of the peoples themselves to work for an internationalist program, an internationalist uh, movement that will overthrow over the course of long struggle the reactionary, repressive, and ruling class forces that go on oppressing the people each and every day. If we really want to see an end to these issues, right, that's where we have to start. Um, so in looking forward, I think one thing that we desperately need to do is we need to get with our neighbors, get with our comrades, get with our coworkers, get with our, you know, friends and really discuss in depth what it is that they feel like would improve their day to day life. Like, okay, hey. You're, you know, someone who's gone to school, you're working your ass off at this part-time job, but you're not able to find a career in the field that you're working in, da 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 You know, asking this person, what is it that you feel would be able to help improve your situation? And then, you know, you don't necessarily need to play savior. You can't always just expect that out of a conversation, you're going to be able to change people's material conditions. 
But if you begin talking with people and begin giving them kind of seeds and and ideas that might make them think about things a little bit differently, they're going to start wanting to learn more. They're going to start wanting to do more. They're going to want to start to make changes, try to organize themselves, and you're going to be the one to help them. We are all learning together, and so if you feel you do not have enough experience for this, guess what? Most of the organizers I'm organizing with don't either. You know, a lot of us are very new to this. A lot of us are very young. Um, And so because of that, I think a lot of us have this fear that we're going to do something wrong or we're not going to be able to uh, succeed. And surely we will do things wrong. And surely we're not going to succeed right away, right now, alone, isolated, unorganized. But once we continue moving forward, once we continue working, once we continue organizing, we're going to be able to make a qualitative leap to a whole nother type of organizing that is successful, that, you know, will learn from these mistakes and implement changes. But that's got to start with the people. And you got to give the people the tools and the ideas and the skill set they need to organize themselves as well because you can't always be there so for example with this tenant union there's a lot of questions that the you know folks in the building they reach out to the coalition and, and they try to ask for help and so we decided what we were going to do is we were going to set up a committee of uh tenants in the building who are you know maybe a little bit more experienced a little bit willing to uh, put in a little bit more work than others so that rather than uh us as an outside force coming in and trying to dictate terms rather we have the tenants who are deciding for themselves how we want to move forward and the coalition i'm a part of provides assistance and provides you know support and provides any and all uh supplies and and things of that nature that we can and that's kind of the attention is you give you know you give people the ability to organize themselves to learn themselves to fight themselves because we're not asking people to fight for us we're not asking people to fight for our ideas we're trying to bring these ideas to people and ask them to fight for themselves we want people to fight for themselves we want people to know that they are worth fighting for that they as human beings deserve dignity and humanity stable and safe housing equitable livelihoods, uh, living income, all of these things are human necessities. And, you know, as humans with dignity, we all deserve them. And so we have to fight for these things in a way that makes it so that people recognize these things as their own wants, as their own needs and something that they as themselves, you know, are willing to fight for. Moving forward, I think that, you know, there's going to be I'd say decades of struggle before any of these ideas are concretized, consolidated, and, uh, you know, definitely before power is consolidated in the hands of the masses. And that's what we're looking for. So a lot of folks feel a necessity to try to play to, um, you know, some of the systems and structures that are in place to try to get improvements. You know, we always see that there's this huge necessity, go vote, go vote, which, yeah, go vote. 
if and when there is ever someone that you feel deserves your vote, go vote for them. And, you know, that's turn out. That's what, you know, we won these democratic rights for, supposedly. So go use them. But if and when, you know, voting is not enough as, you know, AOC and Bernie Sanders and all these other representatives would like us to think, then we need to do voting plus something. We need to be doing voting plus petitioning. We need to be doing voting plus organizing. We need to be doing voting plus organizing plus self-defense training, right? So if we can get with this idea, right? If we can get down with this, like this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to try to get people organized. Then from that point forward, we just kind of got to get ourselves into uh, structures into groups that are kind of capable of making this move forward. Because it's one thing if we want to say, oh, I got this idea, you know, that and it's going to be great. And, and we're going to do this thing and it's all going to work out. And then there's another thing where you actually, uh, you know, organize yourselves, you actually look at and try to strategize about all of the problems you might run into. And then you also try to learn the skills, gain the knowledge, or, you know, build allegiances with the groups that are going to be able to assist you with those problems, that are going to be able to help you to uh, overcome those issues. Now, of course, this isn't always possible from the get-go. This takes time. And this is the last thing I really want to finish on. Um, When we hear folks often talk about revolution, and I've hit on this multiple times before, but I, I, I I would like to try to speak it out again because I find it to be important. I find it to be a point worth stressing time and time again. So I'm going to. Revolution is a process. It is an entire historical epoch. It is a transitionary period between capitalism and communism, meaning that if we do not resolve each and every issue immediately after they have been approached, they have been analyzed, they have been understood, we have not failed. We have made attempts. And in anything else, like riding a bike, tying your shoe, cooking a meal, you do not quit at the first go-around, or so I am told. <laughs> I'm someone who gets frustrated and gives up, so I, I give this pep talk also to myself. This shit is going to be hard, y'all. Like last night at the tenant meeting I went to, I was helping to you know talk to some folks afterwards to hear some of what it is they had to say, some of their ideas, and trying to get folks to join the committee. Um, and uh, we ended up getting this one guy who kept telling us that what we need to do is not only do we have to call the housing development group, but we also need to call the attorney general, and the attorney general had been in the area that day. So he was saying, you know, look at what she did to this place. She's calling and saying if they don't fix these problems, they're going to have to pay $300,000. 
we need that. So I'm sitting there and I'm trying to, you know, explain to him like, yeah, sure, we can call her up and we can get her down here to see things and we can get her to speak on it. But when she leaves, you know, we also want to have people here organized so that until those things get fixed, we can also keep doing other things like, you know, we can advocate for the fact that like, we need security in the building right now because all these places are getting robbed and this is, you know, a retirement home and we want to make sure you folks are safe. Asking the attorney general to come down is going to take weeks. We need a security officer in here right now, which I'm not a huge fan of, you know, but again, this is not up to me. This is the uh, folks in the building needing to be safe. And this is one way, unfortunately, under capitalism, imperialism, when people are so poor and impoverished that they have to steal in order to survive. This is one way in which people have to feel protected is they have to have these people with guns around. Um, and I don't even think it's going to be like a straight up cop. It would probably just be some like bum security guy. But anyways, I bring this up because, you know, in that moment, it was difficult to listen to this person. You know, this man was probably 70, 75 years old, black man, spoke to me about the fact that he'd gone through the 60s. And he said he was in the hippie movement, which is funny because I, I just I wouldn't have pinned him for that guy. Um, but uh, he was telling me that, like, he doesn't like the theatrics of what we're trying to do, of trying to organize people, of trying to get everybody together. He goes, you don't need that many people. You just need a few who can make some phone calls, and then the people will come down and do their job. And, you know, I really wanted to to say things to him to make him try to understand that if that were the case, why aren't, why didn't they, why is this a problem? Like, if that were the case, why is this a problem? If people did their jobs, why is this a problem? And I could have, you know, I very well could have sat there and corrected him and told him as to why this is not necessarily an expedient idea. Or, and this is kind of the approach I'm learning and trying to take, so that's why I speak on it, because I'm actively learning right alongside you folks. You're listening to me every time I record. Learn a little bit more. Um, but I instead just said, you know what, why don't you go ahead, you and the other person in the meeting who were saying we want to call the attorney general, why don't you go ahead and call the attorney general, you know, send some emails as well, see if you can get some help and try to get her down here and see if, you know, if she comes down here, if that's going to do anything, because then, you know, it doesn't take me trying to be correct and saying, hey, no, that's not what's going to work, da, 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 da. Because this person, they're trying to get a hold of the Attorney General in New York, um, will either come down and help out and do what she did at this other apartment and basically put it on the, the landlords, these big-ass corporations, to, to either fix the problems or shell out the money. Or she'll ignore it, like the mayor did, like Codes has, like all the different uh, tenant uh, assistance programs and organizations in the area have. Because a lot of these, again, are predicated on doing things based on the way in which we were told we got to do things. All right, we'll, we'll submit this. We'll submit this report to the housing authority and then the housing authority will come in and they'll do a report and then codes will do a report and the violations will come out. And then we'll file a report so that we can file a report so we can file a report. And ultimately, I mean, 
the code's people came in and they spoke to the tenants in one of our meetings and said that they had just come in and done an inspection and nothing was wrong. They just lied straight to the face of the tenant. So there you go. And one of the comrades in the group pointed out that even if we had a perfect code system, codes is not proactive. So landlords and, you know, uh, big housing corporations can still take advantage of people, still get away with this shit for a long, long time before codes ever goes in and is able to fix these things because codes can't be everywhere. And this is a problem that is global. So we don't need a robust codes department. We need tenant power. We need power in the hands of the people. That's everywhere. That's tenants. That's tenants power. That's workers power. That is uh, women's power. That is transgender power. That is power for uh, people who belong to uh, oppressed and exploited uh, people groups. That is power to uh, people in uh, every situation in life in a way that eliminates unequal power relationships, power dynamics. So when I say things like we need women power, we need trans power, what that means is that we do not simply want equality for non-men in law. We do not want simple equality in words because the law says a lot of things like police officers aren't supposed to kill unarmed people and black folks aren't supposed to be discriminated against, exploited and oppressed. And indigenous people are supposed to be seen as human beings and, and not seen their land destroyed and their lives taken. Uh, the law also says that all are, you know, created equal. The, it, 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 I'm not talking about the Constitution. I'm talking about the law itself has been, you know, over the years developed so that it's supposed to be that we're all equal. But we're not. And we know we're not. We know we're not because we're talking about these problems, because exploited and oppressed people are talking about these problems, because folks all over the world are building mass movements to eradicate the inequality that they are suffering under. So we know for a fact that that equality, that, you know, uh, sameness does not add up in deeds as it does in words. So. When I say we want trans power, when I say we want women power, what I'm meaning is women and trans folks need to be given the same amount of administrative control, the same amount of bodily autonomy, the same amount of ability to administrate and to participate in politics as anybody else to get paid the same wage, to get the same health care treatment, to get the same kind of social, economic, political, spiritual, and other types of livelihood. But we know that they can't, even though there is legislation and laws in place that are meant to help so that they are not discriminated against, they are not exploited and taken advantage of. And yet, as we know today, trans folks, women, non-binary comrades, two spirits, and other people such as, you know, exploited and oppressed uh, groups within the societies that we live in all can show quite clearly every single day ways in which they are treated uh, unequally. Which means that we have to build systems, uh, forms of power and control that offset that scale. Like, okay, 
the U.S. government is going to come around, it's going to pass a law and say black folks are this, that, and the third. They're equal in these ways, da 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 right? Well, if that's the case, then the only way in which that that is going to be upheld is if black people here on Turtle Island are organized, dedicated, disciplined, and committed to one another in a well-maintained and well-organized enough fashion that if and when any of these laws, if and when any of this legislation is broken, if and when a cop goes out and kills someone like Amir Locke, Amir Locke won't be the only one having a funeral. You know what I'm saying? Or at the least, the very people like the fucking police chief that came out and straight up lied like the coroner who's going to allow for deaths like, you know, Amir Locks, for the coroner of George Floyd, for the coroner of Breonna Taylor, for the uh, uh, police officers themselves who do the murdering to all get away with it. At the very least, what needs to be done is the, the folks who are facing these uh, repressive and oppressive forces need to have the power to be able to remove them, given the want to do so. At the Paris Commune, this is back in the 1870s, in the Paris Commune, the police, the politicians and representatives, even down to the teachers and the post, uh, you know, office or the, the postmaster and stuff. If they did shit that the people didn't want, on an instant, they could vote to revoke them from power and they would be removed from power. On top of that, representatives, police officers, etc., they were making what was called, according to the Paris Commune, a working man's wage, meaning they were not to make any more than what anybody else in the commune was making. So that removes the precondition that allows for political, social, and economic control because of the massive amounts of wealth accumulation, which leads to further amounts of control within an unequal system of exploiters and exploited. So in wrapping up here quick, folks, I want to say this. We have, again, a lot to do. Um, this episode honestly sounded a lot like the last one. So if you <laughs> if you want something different, you know, reach out, please do, please reach out, please reach out, for the love of God, reach out, I would like you to reach out, my email is indefensiveliberation at gmail.com, no caps, no spaces, I want to hear everything from you, I want to hear every thought you've ever had listening to the show, even if they're bad, even if they're going to make me cry, do it, I want to see it, DM me on my social media, I got TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, most importantly, most importantly, do me this favor, please go join some kind of organization. Go meet comrades. Go talk to people. Go help folks who are in need of assistance. Because guess what? It's not crazy. It's not some insane, you know, uh, um, skillful tactic that is necessary to be able to be a good organizer. What you need to be a good organizer is compassion, concern, and the willingness to struggle. At the end of the day, that is one of the most important things, the willingness to struggle, because it's never going to be easy. We're going to, you know, watch as some of the folks that we're trying to help 
uh, at the tenant building possibly get evicted. We're going to watch as, you know, I try to struggle to, to join union leadership at my new job. And uh, some of my ideas are going to be pushed back against and that might put my job into question. Um, that means a lot of things, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, as Che Guevara says, uh, the true sense of a revolutionary is this uh, intense sense of love that we feel. Jaleel Muntakim from the Spirit of Mandela uh, group, as well as, you know, former Black Panther, former Black Liberation Army uh, member uh, said in one of the Zooms we joined the other day, which I think everybody should join. Let me know if you want to know more about that. Email Spirit of Mandela number one, like Spirit of Mandela, no caps, no spaces, the number one at gmail.com to learn more information about that if you don't want to reach out to me. And, uh, but yeah, get out there and do something because you know what? People need love, but people also need protection. People also need to know what the fuck is going on because they have no idea what's going on in Russia, no idea what's going on in China, because as Lenin says, you know, take foreign policy, even in the most democratic bourgeois governments, it is kept a secret. Uh, it is done in secret. Foreign policy is something that is decided by the ruling class representatives and the, uh, you know, capitalists and the imperialists themselves, and the people are lied to and deceived every single day for the benefit of the ruling class. So please, folks, remember that, and please, folks, remember the best way to combat that is by building revolutionary parties, organizations, mass movements, and mass uh, mobilization. So anyways, folks, stay well, stay safe, stay revolutionary. We'll see you next time. Peace.